go. Welcome to the Rod of Iron Podcast, Fundamental Baptist, breaking down discussions, dogma, and daily events. I'm your host, Pastor Bruce Mejia, First Works Baptist Church. Here with the fundamentalists in our church, we have Brother Hightoff Macy and Brother Marco Sanchez. And we have a special guest with us this evening, Pastor Roger Jimenez of Verity Baptist Church in Sacramento, California. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Pastor Jimenez is a great friend of our church. We love his church. And, and so um, we're so thankful that you, we're thankful you made time to come out here. I know you got a busy schedule. You mentioned that you're doing some some filming for the Landmarks episode. Yep. So lo- this trip is a lot is, is like four birds with one stone kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you're doing the Landmarks episode. We're gonna, we'll are gonna talk a little bit about that. Sure. And you're doing the podcast with us tonight. You're preaching for us tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then you're, you, you are visiting your church plants as well. And so right. you got a busy schedule this week. Yep. It's exciting to serve the Lord, and I'm sure you're getting a lot done. Yeah, amen. amen. Yeah, getting a lot done. And tomorrow I'll be able to spend a day with my family too. So amen. Spending time with the family, yeah. So trying to squeeze as much as we can out of this trip. Yeah. So you brought your whole family with yeah, you, obviously. whole family, everybody. Awesome. How many kids do you have? I have six kids. Six kids. Yeah. How old is your eldest? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. You so got yourself a, a teenager. Yeah, now. exactly. So I have a thirteen-year-old, <laughs> an eleven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and um, is that all of them? Is that six? Is that six? <laughs> One day I'll I'll, I'll uh, learn their names. <laughs> their names are all the ages. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, I went to. Um, when I went to go preach, what did I preach? Oh, I preached at Pure Words Baptist Church. Okay. And um, a couple, I don't know, maybe it was about a month ago, I took my son Bruce with me, mm-hmm. and it made it so much better. Yeah. Um, I've taken preaching trips before, and it just gets kind of lonely, you mm-hmm. know, and you kind of miss your family. I get homesick very right. easily. Right, right. Um, but just having my son there was a, was a big blessing. And then even prior to that, when I preached at Steadfast the year before, I brought my whole family with me, and that was great. Mm-hmm. I was able to bring them, and, and it's just um, it's good memories to make with them. And then you have them there with you, and, you know, I'm sure my wife appreciated that too, just bringing her along. Right. And so I'm sure they appreciate you coming with you on this trip. Yeah. Um, you're in our new building. Yeah. It looks great. looks awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I was hoping you'd say something like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. no I, it, it, it's, it's great. It's it's too bad you guys got bombed. Yeah, it really, yeah. It really yeah, puts this you is back. Such a, back. Such a burden. such a grief. <laughs> they should, they shouldn't have. You have to settle with this awesome building. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about landmarks. Now, uh-huh. I'm planning to do season three. Right. I was gonna do season two, but something came up. Mm. Church got bombed and everything. Yeah. But we, um, weak excuse. I yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Sorry about that. But you're doing season two. I'm doing season two. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about, first of all, the concept of the, the series called Landmarks, mm-hmm. and then more specifically, what your season entails. Right. So Landmarks was started by Pastor Anderson, mm-hmm. and he did season one. And it's called Landmarks because it has like a, a dual meaning. So the episodes take place at these physical landmarks, and they're all supposed to be in the area that the church is at. So, like, season one was all in Arizona. Season two is Northern California. And then you'll be doing Southern California. Right. And, um, and then while we're at these locations that are physical landmarks, then we're also talking about a biblical landmark. Amen. And uh, uh, season one was just kind of more random, just interesting topics. With season two, what we're doing is we're having a theme. So the theme is all about children, raising godly children. So we're doing episodes on like homeschooling, 
We're doing episodes on family um, integrated church. Well, we we did family integrated church in season one. Okay, so we're not covering that. Okay, but we're talking about like you know uh, corporal discipline and spankings. Okay. We're talking about wife staying home. Um, we're talking about just any uh, all sorts of things. We have an episode. I just did a couple episodes um, with Brother Jared from Fresno. We're talking about uh, preparing young men for the workforce and uh, a lot of just cool, interesting stuff like that. Amen. Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, when it comes to Independent Fundamental Baptists or Mm. what we would consider ourselves to be new IFB, Mm. we obviously agree on a lot of essentials. Right. And, you know, we often say we're not in lockstep with everything because we're independent. But uh, we agree on a lot of the essentials, but even a, a lot of the secondary things we agree with. Right. You know, we think of, you know, concepts about the family. We agree a lot on that. Right. We agree about, you know, having a family integrated church, even though that's that's a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. It's important to us, but it's not something that we would split hairs over or, or separate from someone because of that. But it is important and we both agree on it. And that probably makes the fellowship even that much better between right. our churches because we we can uh, share ideas, mm-hmm. we can uh, relate to one another when it comes to those things, and so I'm looking forward to season two on the family because uh, it's not just you're covering things about the family, but you're covering child rearing, marriage. I'm su- I'm assuming as well. So, or so originally we were gonna do the family in general, mm-hmm. but then when once I started writing down ideas about child rearing. There was so much to talk about that we kind of just decided to focus on that. Yeah. Because we've got other churches that are going to do other seasons. Uh, so, you know, maybe somebody else can cover marriage. But we, we've got 10 episodes lined up. And they're, okay. they're just about child rearing. Oh, awesome. And and, and and they're about children in general. So, for example, we, we have uh, an episode about abortions. You know, we, we have uh, episodes, all, all sorts of different types of episodes mm-hmm. like that. So, but they're all, our theme is all about children, raising godly children, having children, uh, that idea. And, you know, you and I, we're fortunate because we get to do it in California. Yeah. And there's so many awesome places in California. Amen. You know, all I can say is by the time season two's done, we're going to make uh, Arizona look like a desert. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, we've got cool places in Northern California, and I know you've got some awesome places down here. So, yeah. Amen. I'm probably going to uh, season three is going to be on biblical prophecy. Okay. Bible cool. prophecy. Uh, originally I was going to do season or I was going to do a series on the Jews, okay. but I just kind of changed my mind <laughs> and I had a change of heart and, um, I I'd, just felt I'd like I'd rather do prophecy than the Jews. Too. Yeah. <laughs> there's only so much I can, you know, you can talk about the Jews, yeah. go to banks or stuff like <laughs> what? go to banks and stuff. Yeah. Go, go to banks. banks. <laughs> Chase, Wells Fargo. There's so many, like, go to so many landmarks, right? Yeah. yeah. Hollywood, <laughs> Bixby yeah. Knowles. Yeah. Those are the yeah. ones that we would go to. <laughs> Look at right. them go to their temple. <laughs> <laughs> but Bible prophecy, <laughs> even though there's not necessary landmarks dealing with Bible prophecy in California, mm-hmm. you know we'll be able to tie it in somehow. And I know there's there's a lot of topics, varying topic, various topics that we can cover within Bible prophecy. Even if I were to teach on do uh, the series or the season on, you know, through the Book of Revelation, you know, the, you got the seven churches, you have the beginning of sorrows, mm-hmm. great tribulation, right. all those things, and so. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Yeah, you, you guys awesome. doing drone shots and all oh, that? Yeah, yeah. We're okay, doing cool. Drone shots, and uh, we just went to so at the at the Sequoia Park, there's the it's called General Grant the mm-hmm. tree. I think it's the largest sequoia either in in the U.S. or I think the third largest in the world or whatever. But we got some awesome drone shots of the drone going up the tree. And, oh you wow, know, it's, it's a massive tree. And it's That's crazy. awesome. But yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be great. I'd love to go to Eureka. 
Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna hold you to that. Then. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. <laughs> shake on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's on camera, guys. Yeah, let's shake on it. All right, here we go. You guys saw it. We're doing it. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna send you this clip in a couple months. <laughs> Remember when you said this? I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. Right. I think you just edited book, that. Book your ticket now, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, when you come up to Eureka. Eureka's, I think Eureka's like three or four hours north of Sacramento. But when you come to Eureka, we'll have to have you preach in, in Sacramento if you don't mind. Sounds great. I do not mind at all. <laughs> I'd be honored to go preach. Yeah, love I love going to Verity Baptist Church. Looking forward to going to the Red Hot. Amen. Every year. Um, of course, if you're watching this, uh, put a plug in for the Red Hot Preaching Conference, best conference around. Amen. Um, and so I, I grew up spiritually in an independent fundamental Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And so I know I see the value in conferences. Right. But I see so much the more the value in our type of conference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's good to, to hear hot preaching. Right. But it's also good just to be around like-minded believers. You know, it's, it's good to, I'm sure it's good for people who go to maybe an old IFP church, not to say that that's bad, but, um, you know, they come to the Red Hot Preaching Conference, they get fellowship, mm-hmm. they get their faith strengthened, they get fired up, right. you know? Right. And so, and I enjoy going because I get to see my friends, my pastor yeah. friends. Yeah. Um, being a pastor in California uh-huh. is not the easiest. And so when you get to be around your friends a little bit, you get exhorted and you grow and, and you just, you kind of come back home with a renewed vision kind yeah. of thing. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so, when we started the Red Hot Preaching Conference, I didn't really know it was going to become what it has become because it's it's really, it, it's become its own thing, you know? And uh, people are, everywhere I go, people are telling me that they've been to Red Hot or they're planning on coming <coughs> and, you know, all those things. And it's just, it's, you know, I don't well, know. It's the thing. Yeah. It's the thing to do. Right. It's you got to put it on the calendar. It's the place to go. Yeah. So it's like, well, now when we plan out as a family or even as a church, like uh, when we start going through the year, it's like, well, we got to make sure it doesn't conflict with the Red Hot. Preaching. Red Hot comes <laughs> yeah. up a lot. Yeah, yeah, the Red Hot does come up. It's yeah, like, yeah. all right, we got to make sure that we don't do anything around that time because that's the Red Hot Preaching yeah. Conference. Right. Yes. And, you know? I, what, and I, what I like about the Red Hot Preaching Conference, because you have these other conferences, and a lot of times they have themes, and that's awesome. You know, you have a prophecy conference and, and all that. But the cool thing about the Red Hot Preaching Conference is that there's not really a theme. It's just Red Hot Preaching. Right. You know, you're going to get your face ripped. Yeah. And, um, and, of course, I'm bringing in, literally, I believe – and I think all of us would agree the greatest preachers alive today, you right. know, coming in and preaching it, you know, in a week and all that. So, um, but it's more than that. And, and preaching is definitely the thing, but like you said, the fellowship, the soul winning, there's just so much there. Yeah, man. Um, there's more than you can grasp through a live stream. We live stream it of course, but yes. I would always encourage everybody if you can come. Yeah. Hike. <laughs> yeah. I, I, hey, I already hike, give you, you my have those headphones in. We're going to shame him into coming. Yeah. Shame. Expect We're going to get that I'm shame already, guy. <laughs> from the protest. No, don't do no, that. <laughs> yeah, there's a sodomite at the protest. Shame, shame, shame. We will not do that to <laughs> um, Yeah, the Red Hot, though, like, I don't know. For some reason, it's, like, super nostalgic mm-hmm. because we would have at our old IV church youth conference during that time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like oh, filling yeah. in that in, you know, yeah. the replacement yeah. of, like, of something good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, same with me. I grew up, you yeah. know, old IFB, and we would have conferences we'd go yeah. to and whatever. And and I think Red Hot has kind of become that for the new IFB in right. some ways, yeah. you know. So instead forward. of going to like Knott's Berry Farm, we go soul winning. Yeah, it's yeah. much better, you know. <laughs> well, that's one thing my dad, because my dad, you know, I grew up old IFB, mm-hmm. and of course we were raised in an old IFB church. And um, when I started our church, my parents, I was very thankful they started coming to our church, and they just you know, accepted it. They just got on board. They learned all the different 
differences and in, mm-hmm. uh, in our doctrine and they accepted it and they believe it um but one thing that he really loved when we started the red hot preaching conference um is how many people showed up for soul winning yeah because uh, awesome. we would have these soul winning events you know i think last year i don't remember what the number was but i think we had like 230 soul winners show up wow and he's like i've never seen you know because we i grew up going to pastors conferences and youth conferences or whatever and he's like i've seen conferences where there's like a thousand people there and they never go soul winning, yeah you yeah. know and he's like these people go soul winning, you right? Know, and, I, and he he really loved that. And, go go you know, golfing with away. pastor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I got saved at a youth conference. Uh-huh. That's where I got saved. So they, it does hold a special place in my heart, mm-hmm. and I I definitely see the power in a conference where you know you get new because I was a new person and you know I was invited to come to the conference. I was not saved. I was worldly, and you know I came and I heard some hot preaching right. and it's, you know, a, a Baptist, you get a, a real Baptist in behind the pulpit mm-hmm. and they preach hellfire and brimstone. Right. It does something to you. And, and, you know, he was preaching the gospel and, you know, they, they did the aisle thing. You know, they, they called me down the aisle. I went down there. There's a soul in there that got me saved. And, you know, it always held a special place in my heart. And I always participated in all the conferences thereafter because I saw the value in it. Right. I, re- I realized like, Hey, people get saved. And even if there are saved, if they're backslidden or a little lukewarm, you know, the conferences fire them up again right. and help them to basically get back on track and, and with their Bible reading or soul winning or just living for the Lord. And so I saw the value in it. But the things that would the thing that would always frustrate me about the conferences was their caterance to like, you know, going to the theme parks and, mm-hmm. you know, doing these other things that was just kind of burdensome in my opinion, you know. Right. And it'll always bother me. And so, you know, the new IFB and the way the new IFB does conferences is obviously superior to that because of the, not because of the preaching necessarily, although I believe it's better, mm-hmm. but you know, the, the emphasis on soul winning right. and, and all that. And so I think that's really important and it's great to see young people. Yeah. Participating in that, right, and getting fired up about that. I mean, some people come to the Red Hot Preaching Conference just because they know we're gonna. I mean, we have soul winning the whole week long. Yeah, you know, and it and it builds to this climax on Saturday because you know the conference starts on a Thursday, but on a Wednesday we have we already got like forty soul winners there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then on on Thursday we it'll be like fifty or sixty, and on Friday it'll be seventy five, and then on Saturday that's the big one we push, and we've got two hundred and twenty people there. Yeah, some people come to the conference. To, to go, go soul, soul winning. winning. Yeah. Because they live somewhere where there's no soul winning and they don't, they yeah. want to like go with someone and, yeah. and know how to do it. Like that's, that's amazing. That's you know? great. And then not only that, but now, cause oh, now, come on now. now we've been doing it for five years. Well, now we have all these couples oh. that have gotten married that met at the Red Hot Preaching Conference, yep. you know, and they're having kids and all that. So it, it's, it's become a thing that mm-hmm. I, I never planned. You know, when I started the Red Hot <laughs> Preaching Conference, I didn't know if anybody would come. Mm-hmm. And th- I told our church family, I said, I don't know if anybody come. We'll, we'll invite everyone. I don't know if they'll want to come, but this will be worth having if just our church family yeah. comes. And, of course, that's still the goal, you know, but um, but it's been a blessing to so many people. Well, I know um, you guys put in a lot of work mm-hmm. for the Red Hot. And the reason I know, I don't know how much you work. I'm sure it's a lot. But the only reason I, I even know 10% of how much you put in is because we did a conference mm-hmm. and it was in a different state in Ohio. It was the Fundamentalist Conference. Oh, yeah. And we live streamed it. I mean, it was like the, the whole thing. And it was a lot of work. Right. Yeah. It was a ton of work. And I thought to myself, like, oh, man, this is like, Pastor Jimenez does this every single year yeah. with way more people than what we have here. It's just like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. People don't realize how much work a conference is. Yeah. They're, they're a lot of work. And, 
I, I, I tuned into the sermons and I, I really appreciated you had Pastor Jones uh, up there for the conference and all that. And, uh, and, and I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh, but for us, when we start, we, we start planning Red Hot Preaching Conference in January, you know, and it, and, and it's not that we're just working on that the whole year, but there's so much that goes into getting it ready and, yeah. and all of that, you know, yeah. but the singing's great. Yeah. The music's great. The, the spirit's great. It, it's just an amazing time. Amen. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, Pastor Joe Jones, um, I was just at his church a week ago okay. at Shield of Faith Baptist Church in Boise, Idaho. And I encourage people to go subscribe to his channel because he he's he's very um he's very creative mm-hmm. when it comes to his titles, yeah. very eye catching titles. Yeah, he has awesome titles. And at, when I was fellowshipping with him at the church at his church, it, it was like eleven o'clock at night. We're fellowshipping, <laughs> and I told him I was like, "Dude, you got some good titles." Like <laughs> he's like, "Well, I don't know, you know." And I'm like, "No, I, I look at your because t- I, I I think titles are important." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like not just for like church, but also like online. Having a very catchy title is important. And he comes up with some really creative stuff. Yeah. And the one that stands out to me the most is is apologicians. Uh-huh. You know, that was a good one. <laughs> um, but he just has these. He's very creative. So let me talk to you about this because I, I was I was talking to him and I said, well, when I mentioned that to him, he he told me he said, um, well, that's typically how I come up with a sermon. Hmm. I just like come up with some creative name. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, that'll be a good idea for a sermon. Uh-huh. And I kind of do the same thing sometimes. Like I'll think of a concept or a good title and I would think to myself, hey, th- that would make a good sermon if I were to preach from that. And 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 I told him like, you know, I think both ways are, are to write a sermon are good. You know, sometimes uh, you think of a good idea mm-hmm. or or should I say you find, you you think of a concept in the Bible that should be preached on at your church, something that needs to be hit on. Then you give it a title or you, you come up with a good title and then you kind of scour the Bible to see what the Bible says about that particular topic, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think both are good, but I know you spend a lot of time in sermon preparation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you're more wired to like for myself, sometimes I, I, I wait till later on in the week to come up with something, but you're very, you're, we were just talking about this before the podcast. You have the spiritual gift of a, of a ruler, you're mm-hmm. an organizer. So I'm sure you prepare very early on in the week yes, for a sermon. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Okay. Can yeah. you can you walk us through some of the steps you take into doing that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do believe I, that my spiritual gift is is the, the ruler, administrative type thing. I'll tell you, my spiritual gift is not titles. I stink <laughs> at titles. My titles are terrible. And uh, No, I know, think you got some good titles. Well, I think you got some really I, good ones. Yeah, God is not uh, a Republican. Oh, yeah, no, that, God is not American. Was, yeah, that one was good. Yeah, that yeah. one was good. Yeah. You ticked off a lot of people with that one. <laughs> that was a, I wasn't one of them. I was I was like, Thank amen you. to that. <laughs> you, you'd be surprised how many people you offend when you do. You Jack Treber. Yeah. God's not American. And they're like, what? But, um, yeah. you know, p- talking about Pastor Jones titles, my my favorite title that I saw of his was you're not woke, you're a joke. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that was a good one. He's, he's awesome <laughs> with the titles. Um, but, but anyway, getting back to sermon prep for me, this is how it works for me. And, and all preachers are different. And you got to just kind of figure out what works for you. Right. But for me, like the way this will how my week looks like on Monday, I work on my Wednesday night sermon. And uh, my goal is to I, I try to work on a, on one sermon twice. Um, so my first goal, like on Monday morning, my goal is to get to the sermon to the place where I've got 
a rough outline and and my my goal is to get to the place where if i can't get back to this i could preach this if i needed to now, mm-hmm. i don't want to i want to work on it some more but if all hell broke loose if they bombed my building <laughs> and you know for whatever reason i couldn't get back to this um i could preach this if i needed to so you, you what you're basically saying is you do sermon prep on wednesday or for, for wednesday you do it on monday on monday and you get it to the point where you know, God forbid, if if something came up, an emergency came up, it has enough content yeah. and preparation in it that you can take it as is from Monday and preach it on Wednesday. I could, okay. you know, and and I don't want to because I want to work on it some more. But right. I could if I needed to. Right. That's my goal. So I I know I'm done on Monday when it's like okay, if I had to preach this, I've got an outline, I've got whatever, I've got it developed to a place where if I had to preach this, I could preach it. Then here's what I used to do when I was you know younger in the ministry. I, God has allowed us to be in ministry now in, in Sacramento for 10 years, so I've been around for a little while. But what I used to do is, you know, you know this, you might know this as a preacher. I, I think a lot of preachers do this. You know, you you never end a sermon mm-hmm. prep. You're, right. there, there's always more to do. Right. So what I used to do is I'd get up on Monday and, and work on my <clears> Wednesday night sermon. Then I'd on Tuesday, I'd work on my Wednesday night sermon. Then on Wednesday, I'd work on my Wednesday night sermon right up until I needed to preach it. Then I'd preach Wednesday, and now I've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday to write two sermons, right? Yeah. And that just, you know, that was like my life for a long time, and I and I hated it. So what I do now is on Monday, I write my Wednesday night sermon to the point where I could preach it if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Then on Tuesday, I force myself not to work on the Wednesday night sermon at all. And what I do on Tuesday is I start on my Sunday morning sermon. Tuesday? On Tuesday. Oh, wow, okay. And I get it to the same, same thing, to the place where... I could preach it if I needed to on Sunday morning. Um, and then on Wednesday, I, I go back and I finish my Wednesday night sermon because you kind of feel this pressure on Wednesday, like I got to preach this tonight, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it's already done to the point where I could if I needed to. But now I've had a, a, a day where I haven't thought about it. Sometimes for me, it works well. It's kind of like walking away from a project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's kind of it's it's kind of just simmering, yeah. You know, and and some of the thoughts have kind of you know solidified, and I can go back and kind of really refine it. I I thought of other verses that maybe oh that would go well with that or whatever. So on Wednesday I I finish it and then I preach it on Wednesday. So then on Thursday I start my Sunday night sermon. It's a little complicated of wow, a schedule for me. Yeah, but on Thursday you I, give yourself enough time. Yes, on Thursday I start my Sunday night sermon. Um, again to the skeleton, to the place where if I needed to, I, I could do it. And then on Friday, I finish my Sunday morning sermon. On Saturday, I finish my Sunday night sermon. And I try not to, you know, because this is what we all do when we first start out in ministry. You know, on Sunday morning, we're finishing up our Sunday morning sermon. And on That's Sunday, me. <laughs> <laughs> and on Sunday night, in between the services, we're writing That's the Sunday me again. <laughs> you know, so I do review my sermons mm-hmm. uh, during those times. But yeah. I, I like for them to be to be written. So I spend my mornings on, on sermon prep and, and I, you know, obviously in the afternoons I work on other projects or whatever. Yeah. Do you guys think he's a ruler? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very methodical. Very methodical. I'm actually preaching on the ruler on Sunday night. And I was just telling him that when I talk to my wife about the ruler, the first person that comes up is Pastor Jimenez. Cause so it's systematic, very methodical, like you said, and very organized, you know, 
And so that's good though. And I mean, I'm not saying that schedule would work for everybody, but that works. It works for me. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it helps me. So, and then in the afternoons I can work on stuff that's, that's a little lighter. Yeah. So in the afternoon, I mean, sometimes I am cause, cause I have a leadership class, so I've got lessons to write for that. Right. Uh, we do, projects you know landmarks whatever that in the afternoons is when i'm trying to work on those things well i definitely see the the value in giving yourself a buffering Mm -hmm. zone for your sermons because uh, sometimes when like for example obviously it's not the same thing but if if i'm editing a project a video and um i'm working on something it's good for me sometimes to just walk away from it for about a couple days Mm -hmm. because if i'm constantly working on it then i can become critical of it and and to the point where it's like I don't like the way this looks. So what I do is just like I walk away from it for a couple of days. And then when I come back to it, I come with new ideas right. and, it, and, and, and it looks good. It's just like, well, you know what? Actually, this isn't as bad as I thought it was, but it can use more content right. or more whatever. So walking away and giving yourself a buffering zone is pretty good. And not, not everybody works that way, but I know for me that that has been – a great thing first yeah. of all because all preachers i think work well under pressure as far as you got to preach the sermon yeah you know um and and making myself not preach on the wednesday night sermon on tuesday and getting ahead for the weekend kind of gives puts that pressure yeah but also for me i've if i can start something and not think about it for a day there's so many times that i'll wake up the next day and just a verse pops in my head and i'm like oh that mm-hmm. would go perfect with that you know yeah. so i might jot it down on my phone um, but I'm not going to work on that sermon till whenever I'm scheduled to work on it. Or just you're going about, you're reading the Bible, or, or somebody says something, you're like, yeah. oh, man, that's a good story. Yeah. I would go with the sermon I'm preaching or whatever. So You mentioned something. You said under pressure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of times people, um, they don't like being under pressure for anything. And I, I feel like in my personal life, I thrive under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think pastors probably do thrive under pressure a little bit. They have to. They have to. Absolutely. Whether they like to or not, right. they have to. But I, I feel like in, personally for me, when I'm put under the gun, so to speak, is when I perform my best. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to have a teacher who used to tell me in, in Bible college, he used to say, um, you don't work your best under pressure, you just work faster under pressure. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, that could, be, that could be the case. But sometimes I feel like I do perform my best when I'm under pressure. But thinking about what you said you know, makes me think, well, maybe I should put more preparation into what I'm doing. And then when I'm under pressure to finish up the sermon at the very end, that's when I put my best. Mm-hmm. It's like the cherry on top for like a right. sermon or something, you know, it's just making something a little more excellent. Yeah. But I know that whether it comes from, you know, sermon preparation or leading or persecution, mm-hmm. the pressure is always there. And, and I don't know, in my opinion, it's, it's good for you. Right. You know, what Absolutely. do you think about that? Well, in general, sorry, <laughs> you know, we all, all of us need to learn to live under pressure. Yeah. Because life is not easy. Right. You know, life is difficult. And that's one of the things I think as a pastor, I try to teach our people is that life is going to be difficult either way. You know, I think Pastor Anderson preached a sermon uh, kind of on that subject. I can't remember the title of the sermon right now, but it's, you know, you're either going to eat whatever you want. Choose and your suffering. I think yeah, that's yeah. right. Right. You know, eat whatever you want and 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 get diabetes or be overweight, right. and that's going to be difficult. Or you're gonna, you know, <laughs> not eat everything you want, right? And I think exercise. you just offended our. We our just had McDonald's <laughs> on the way over here. <laughs> we did. Fundamentalists <laughs> are leaving. Uh, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, life is is difficult, so we right. have to live under pressure. But pastors, especially, mm-hmm. you have to live under pressure because we're constantly under pressure. I mean, just we're talking about sermon prep. This was something I had to deal with, and it was something that I, 
I don't want to say I hated, but it, it was a problem for me in the ministry. And it was this feeling that you're never done. Right. Right. I mean, you preach on Sunday morning and you've got Sunday night. Yeah. And as soon as you're done with Sunday night, you got Wednesday night. <laughs> yep. And as soon as you're done Wednesday night, you know, we preach three times a week. We're going to do this for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You're always under this pressure. But I had to realize what I had to learn is that there's always projects that are not done. There's always sermons that are not finished, you know, things that I'm still working on. And I have to be okay. I have to be able to walk away from that sermon on a Tuesday and do something else or walk away from that project and take some time off with my family. I've got to learn to live with that pressure on you and just realize it's always going to be there. Mm. So, and that's just how the ministry is. You know, that's good. you start doing weddings, you start doing funerals, you've right. got this, you know, these people to deal with and whatever. You're always going to have that. Right. I think it's just like, it sounds like you're just trying to avoid tunnel vision where mm -hmm. you just can't see everything else. Right. So you kind of give yourself a break and come back with a fresh perspective. Right. Because the outside pressures are they gonna, are going to be there regardless there's no reason why to impose that pressure upon yourself absolutely kind of getting tunnel vision into something i get i think one of them just turned off huh which one was this it one right here. i get tunnel vision when i'm working on a project mm -hmm. um and i see it there's pros and cons to both uh, to tunnel vision the pro obviously is you're very focused mm -hmm. and when i'm focused on a project i don't like anybody bothering me mm-hmm like I just, uh, I become very irritable actually. <laughs> Someone, <laughs> you know, like interrupts my my flow. Mm -hmm. But the con is, is that I don't know when to walk away sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, because I just want to finish it, or I or I lose track of time mm -hmm. when I'm working on a project, whether even if it's a sermon, you know, I just I lose track of time. And so I think maybe um, applying that buffering zone will help with that. Yeah, because you know. It's a deadline before the deadline, so to speak. Right, right. right. And it gives you, and again, everyone needs to decide what works for them. Right. You know? But for me, I know, because I'm the same way. I don't know when to be done. I don't want to be done. So it gives you, like, and we're talking about the sermons right now. Right. Uh, when when on, on Monday or on Tuesday or on Thursday when I'm writing those initial outlines and my goal is just, can I preach, is, is it, is it, can I preach this where if I had to, I'm, I'm done. I could do it. Yeah. And that kind of gives you a marker because you know when you're there, when you're like, okay, it's not what I want, but if I had to, I could preach this. Yeah. And then I have to give myself permission to close that file. And now I've got to plan out this landmarks, you mm -hmm. know, trip. Or now I have to write this class for our leadership class. Or now yeah. I have to, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, knowing that you're going to come back to it, Lord willing, mm -hmm. if, 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 you know, if your schedule goes and obviously everybody's schedules gets messed up or whatever. Um, but you have to, you kind of give yourself permission to be done. Yeah. And then, but, and, but then you build in the pressure because then you go back to it on Wednesday and now the pressure's on, yeah. you know, I have to finish this. I have to preach this, right. you know? So you give yourself those. So you're kind of building in <clears throat> times of, okay, I'm done now. Let me go focus on, cause I mean, Especially as a pastor, I mean, there's times when I, I'm working on, you know, sometimes my schedule gets messed up and I have to do something else in the morning. So I spend the afternoon working on a sermon and I have to get to the point where it's like, okay, it's, it's five, it's five thirty, it's five forty-five. I know my wife's cooking dinner. I can smell it. You know, I need to get this sermon to the place where could I preach this? If all hell broke loose, could yeah. I preach this? Cause I have to hit save and now I need to go spend time with my family. Yeah. So you have to build in those pressures. Amen. And, and it's more than just sermon writing. I mean, that's an example we're giving, but in, in, 
sometimes people think you're crazy as a pastor, you know, because people <laughs> walk up to you and they tell you the worst things, right? I mean, they, they give us the worst problems and, and that's because we're the leaders. Yeah. But somebody walks up to me and says, you know, this is happening at this guy's life or this lady's life or their life, you know, their marriage is falling apart or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, and, and, and I take the information and, whatever, and it's like, did you hear what I said? But it's like, I've got about three of those, you know, <laughs> and, and we're dealing with them, you know, but you can't just be chicken little yeah. with the sky's falling and everything's right. falling apart. You know, at some point you just have to realize that I've got people that are burdens right now and I don't know how it's going to turn out. We're helping them. We're working through it. But I also can't let that take over. Yeah, people can sometimes confuse that for like callousness mm-hmm. or he's just callous too, but it's not that. It's, it's, it's almost as if you have to be a good steward of your emotions too. Right. Where it's like um, you have to allocate when to react, when to respond. Mm-hmm. And if you receive bad news, you have to kind of just, you know, you you receive bad news that someone died right. or that someone's involved in some specific sin. You know, you got to kind of take that information and it's like, well, now's not the time for me to deal with that. If I want to give my 100% to that yeah. particular thing, I can't um, just be get my emotions involved right now. Well, I used to have this idea that if I could just solve every problem, then I would eventually have no problems. That was a lie. But that's not true because as soon as you get rid of problem A, problem B becomes problem A, problem mm. C becomes problem B. And you you just have to realize, and I think everyone has to realize this, but especially as pastors, that we're always going to be dealing with problems. Yeah. You know, And as the church grows, you're going to have more problems. Right. And, and that doesn't mean we don't care. That doesn't mean we don't give it the time that's needed, but you can't just let that overwhelm you, right. you know, especially as leaders. The whole reason we lead is to solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, if 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 that's our main job as yeah. leaders is, is we're to problem, problem solvers, solvers. Right. absolutely. And if if we weren't <laughs> solving problems and they would get rid of us, they wouldn't need us. You yeah. know, because they only because I used to feel this way. I think like, why don't you guys ever bring me good news? Right. <laughs> you know, like, why don't you guys ever tell me like something great? You know. But then I had to realize that if it's getting to my level, it, it, if it could be resolved at the deacon level. If it could be resolved at the evangelist level, if it could be resolved at the staff level, if it could be resolved at the volunteer level, it would have got resolved there. Mm-hmm. And it would have never came to me. Right. If it got to me, it got to me because it's the problem that, he's, that I, as that a the pastor, to needs to, yeah. You know, so it's actually job security, you know. <laughs> um, well, keep bringing deal. problems, folks. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know obviously, what you mean. it's not, we want good news too. Right. Know? But it's, it's, yeah, but it's, 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 uh, you can't avoid problems, right. and we, we, I mean, we're joking about it, but the reality is, is that um, churches are filled with people with problems, right? Yeah. And whether that's marital problems, child rearing problems, sin problems, um, problems with depression, anxiety, just a, a plethora of different problems that people bring to the table sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, relational problems, and. Um, Sometimes we go through pro- specific problems as right. well as pastors. Yeah. Or even how about just the fact that, you know, persecution can be a problem. Absolutely. And we have to be able to solve that. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it, it's unreasonable to think that you're going to become a pastor mm-hmm. and not deal with any problems. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's just everything's going to be a bed of roses. Right. It's rare that a couple, you know, husband and wife with five kids, all dressed nice, walk in and they're just three to thrive. Soul winning, <laughs> tithing, you know, I mean, yeah, that happens. That'd be nice, that but it yeah. happens from time to time, but that's not going to be every visitor, mm-hmm. every guest. So, a lot of times people come to church because they have problems. Right. And it's our job to help them, to, right. to, yeah. to, to help them grow out of that, to build out of that, or, 
or whatever. So we gotta just deal. We we've got all these spinning plates, you know. Sometimes right. you just gotta keep them spinning and yeah. and, and move forward. I'm kind so of thinking good. about like Jesus' ministry on this earth. Trying to think of times where people ran up to Jesus with good news. It was always like a problem, you know. Hey, yeah, you're right. There's no more juice at the wedding. There's right. like this, this, and that. <laughs> yeah, my son is sorely vexed. Yeah, issue know. of blood. That's, that's always going to be a my, given. Yeah. yeah. Only one came to thank him right. when he yeah. healed someone, yeah. but it's like everyone else always had a problem. Yeah, it's leadership. Yeah. You know? And obviously, you know, we can also rejoice when we help people grow and, and grow out of those things. But it, it's just like you're saying, we have to learn to live <clears throat> under pressure. Yeah. And, and and sometimes it can be. The, the pressure can be unbearable. I'm actually preaching about that on, on Thursday night. You know, there's times when Paul said, you know, that he it was above measure. Pressed out above measure, yeah. right. So, and, and we understand we're human beings. We, we're not, you know, we're, we're not the Lord Jesus Christ. But but we just have to realize that life has problems. We got to live with problems. Yeah. And you know what? Diamonds are not made. Diamonds need pressure in order to be made. Amen? Absolutely. Yeah. So if it's like, you, we, if you want the product, you got you got to have the process. Mm-hmm. And part of the process are the problems. Yeah, I know? shall come forth as gold. Right. You know. So. Amen. Well, going back to yeah. one of the things that you mentioned, where we're talking about sermons. So, how do you come up with sermon ideas? Well, my style of preaching is a little different than most guys, but I I, I don't come up with sermon ideas as much as I come up with uh, sermon series. series ideas, and that's how I that's how I do it. That's uh, I have found that works for me. Now, I'm not saying that's how everybody needs to do it or that it works. Well, for I me. like that. I mean, I'm preaching a series on Sunday nights, and and I got the idea from from you and a, another pastor friend of mine, who um who said you know, actually he got the idea from you as well, and oh, I'm okay. like hey, you know that's a great idea. I mean, there's plenty of topics in the Bible mm-hmm. where you can preach an entire series through, you right? Know? So, so absolutely. And that's, you know, and it comes back to this thing about, you know, pressure. Because this is what I used to do when I first started Verity Baptist Church. I'd stand up on a Sunday night and say, I'm going to preach a sermon about the home. And I'd have point number one, the father. Point <laughs> number two, the mother or the wife. Point number three, the children. And I'd try to, like, fit in everything I knew about all of that and all the verses or whatever. And I'd preach for an hour and 35 that's minutes. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Uh, when you realize that I'm going to preach every week for the rest of my life, you know, mm. now I'm, I'm not against hour and 35 minute sermons. In fact, usually when I'm guest preaching, I do preach hour and 35 minute sermons or whatever, because you're there and you know, you want to give it your best and whatever. But when it comes to your church people, I think, and this is my thought, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do it any other way, but I think to myself, why get up and preach for an hour and 20 minutes when I'm preaching to the same 150 people, 175 people, 200 people every week, you know, I've got two sermons here yeah. and, and you can actually develop it even better you know, so I used to preach a sermon about the family and I try to fit five points and whatever into an, an hour and it ended up being an hour and 30 minutes. You know, now what I do is I just pre- preach five weeks on the family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I preach a whole sermon mm-hmm. for the men. That's good. And a whole sermon for the wives or whatever. So that's what I try to do. You know, I, I had an idea like, ah, you know, I haven't really preached on the Holy Spirit. I want to preach a sermon about the Holy Spirit. And I started jotting down ideas. Well, I ended up doing like a nine-week series on a Sunday mm. night uh, of the Holy, just systematically going through the Holy Spirit, really. And, and again, I'm not saying that's for everybody. But that's I like. I mean, I personally like that. I mean, my, my father-in-law, he used to do the same. I mean, I, as far as from what I can remember, he preached a lot of different series. Yeah. Like on Sunday. It would be like Sunday morning was like a topical sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sunday night would be like a series on something. And the same thing on, on Wednesdays or on Thursdays. Sometimes he would go through a book, but most of the time it was like a topical, not a topical sermon, but it was like a series mm-hmm. that he was going through, like 
uh, a glorious church mm-hmm. and what a glorious church was and just kind of go through different right. concepts in the Bible in that regard. Um, actually, I'm probably going to preach on that. During now. the now summer, that he, well, during the summer, remember he used to just do like about the whole family mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he'd do yeah. series. Oh yeah, in the summer. Yeah, yeah, family, family nights. nights. It would be uh, like a series on the family every week. With you know, you got week one would be the marriage, our uh, you know husband and wife, children in the second week, and all that. And so I definitely see the value in that. Yeah, and you're right because you you. If you break it up like that, then you can develop it more. Right. And sometimes, you know, because I'm guilty of, of preaching like a topical sermon. And it's like, I know what the Bible says about this entire topic. Mm-hmm. And I have to fit all this in one sermon. Right. And sometimes when I'm going through my points, I think to myself, man, there's so much more that I want to say about this one point, but I got to yeah. move on. Right. Well, I'll give you an, an example. You, got, you brought this up. I preached a sermon. Somebody pissed me off about <laughs> politics. And I preached a sermon called God's Not American. Right. And I preached a sermon. And... <laughs> And a lot of people hated it, but a lot of people loved it, you know, and, and, and whatever. And, but I felt like there was so much more I could have t- talked about that yeah. I, I didn't have time to. So, you know, like two months later or whatever, I ended up doing this series uh, about politics, yeah. you know, and it was pretty much everything I left out of the God's Not American oh, sermon. Mm-hmm. There was more. There was so, yeah, because there's so much oh, to Oh, wait, cover. there's more. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, That's how pissed off Patrick Hume was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, folks, uh, when you go back and listen to that sermon, you think you you think you know how mad he was. <laughs> right. What you don't know is that the five, six sermons he came up with after that was just the uh, the rest of his him being pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> and, you Venting. know, and, and I thought... You know, it's it, it was a Sunday morning series, mm-hmm. and it was right before the election. Everybody's thinking about politics anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, preach five <laughs> sermons about politics or whatever. So that's how I do it. And, yeah. and like I said, I, I realize not everybody maybe can do it that way or wants to do it that way. But for me, that works. Yeah. And, and, and this is not like a hard rule for me, but generally what I like to do is on Sunday mornings, I do like a topical series. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday nights, it, it's a topical series also, but it more like a, a learning doctrinal um, or sometimes I do silly things, and then on on Wednesday nights it's a Bible study, but verse by verse. Like I recently just did a series on Sunday nights called "When Animals Attack in the That's Bible." That's cool. Yeah. You know, and I went through all the story. Not all the stories. I went through some of the stories because there's a lot of stories actually. Yeah. But a lot of the stories of um, when God just chose to attack people with animals. You know. Yeah. You you took me back to my childhood with that title because uh-huh. I don't know if you remember there used to be a show called <laughs> yes, When Animals yeah. Attack right I never watched the show but I heard of it yeah I watched I watched every single one and it's like When Animals Attack uh-huh. and it was like some pit bull mauling some right. you know person or whatever and it's just, or crocodile biting some guy's arm <laughs> well, the funny thing is that, that that series started as a joke a bunch of guys <laughs> after church we were, ta- we were joking around and we are talking like yeah you could do a series on When Animals Attack and then we started naming like you know yeah like you preach on this whatever and I thought yeah maybe I'll do a sermon on it but then I started thinking I'm like the whole series yeah and then i started it with a sermon that wasn't about animals attacking just about like what god thinks about animals and how we should see animals Mm -hmm. it ended up developing into this series you know from a joke yeah so what's interesting you say that because um i get ideas from different people but i mean i get them from my church members all the time like Mm -hmm. i preached a sermon at pastor joe jones's church and it was called Supernatural, The oh. Supernatural. Just talking about how, you know, the Bible is a supernatural book. It's, it's, it's a book, but it's not just a book. It's a supernatural book. And just different ways that God um, may, took something natural and made it super, mm-hmm. you know, the way he spoke to everyone. And basically my last point was we're natural beings, but because we're, we're saved, we're, we become supernatural. Yeah, but we only really become supernatural when we're out there 
preaching the gospel, preaching the word of God. But I actually got the idea from him okay. during one of our podcasts. He just kind of threw something out there, and then we just kind of started developing it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, what? I think I'm gonna preach on that. That's a yeah. good idea. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, you know, they come sometimes topics of a sermon just comes through casual conversations or something like that. You know, right? Sometimes I get an idea from a sermon through a book mm-hmm. yeah, or a concept in a book. Right. You know, maybe it's just like a point or a sentence they said in a book, and I'm like, that would make a good sermon. Right. You know? Right. But I guess as a pastor, you always have to be investigating different avenues of information. And that's that's the other thing with that, you know, for guys that want to go into ministry, for when you're a pastor, you're always writing a sermon. Mm-hmm. So there's always, you know, you hear a story, somebody tells you something or whatever, and you're like, oh, I could use that, or I could yeah. use that in a sermon. And uh, so you're always kind of in that creative, creative mode. But absolutely, right. reading books... You get ideas sometimes from other guys preaching. Mm-hmm. They might just say something, and right. it's not even what they're preaching about. It's just something they said, and it's like, man, that that's a sermon right there. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So you always want to. I have notes on my phone where I'm always writing down thoughts and ideas and references or whatever, and just gotta always be working at that. You know? Yeah, having a hermeneutical heart. Yeah. Like John Getch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Not like John Getch. No. <laughs> no, that's the book that they made us Hermeneutics read from the heart. Yeah, for hermeneutics uh, from the heart, yeah. yeah. No, 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 not hermeneutics. It, homiletics from the heart. Yeah, homiletics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heart, homiletics yeah. Is, is like the uh, preaching. Yeah. Hermeneutics, hermeneutics is, is like the study, study of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, right. Did you graduate from Bible college, man? No, I got kicked out. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> yeah. I remember I took a class in Bible college. It was hermeneutics. Yeah. And I was really excited about it because it was just like, you know, it's, it's going to show you how to study the Bible. But then it was just like everything but studying the Bible. Yeah. It was like how to read Charles Spurgeon, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the Treasury Scripture of Knowledge or something like that. Yeah, it's funny. But um, I'm definitely uh, a strong proponent in hermeneutics. Mm-hmm. If, I mean, obviously we don't call it that. We just call it preaching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's the element of collecting the information. There's an element, obviously, of studying a topic. But then there's also an element of delivering. Yeah. Right. So I'm a strong believer that you should be an exciting preacher. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's someone out there who's preaching God's word and they're not as exciting, but they're very doctrinally sound, mm-hmm. I enjoy that sermon too. Right. You know, but, but my personally for me, I think it's important that you deliver the sermon um, with power, with authority, and even with some humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think about that? Absolutely. And those are things we all have to work at, right? Yeah. This is our trade. And, yeah. you know, for sometimes people don't like you using that terminology, but this is what we do for a living, right? So we want to be the best we can at it. So there's the as- aspect of preparation, mm-hmm. studying, preparing the outlines, all of that. That's that's a work in and of itself. And then there's and, and then there's the aspect of delivery. Right. And, you know, I don't know about I'm sure you do this, but. I'm I'm constantly trying to work on my own delivery, you know, and trying to get better at preaching the Bible. Amen. And I, I try to tell young guys, you know, get out of your comfort zones. If if you're not yelling, try to yell. You know, if yeah. you're not walking around, maybe try to walk around. Don't just right. be stuck behind the pulpit the whole yeah. time, you know. Uh, try to use your hands, whatever. We all want to be better at, you know, we, we got into this because we love preaching. Check him. And uh, so, so you have to, th- those are all things you have to work on. Yeah. You have to get better at. You Absolutely. Know, obviously it, be, it, it gets better <clears throat> with, with the more experience. Yeah. But yeah, we all have to be working on it. And the reality is, we talked about this before, just you, you do have to be entertaining mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Yeah. And I'm not saying like you're up there just as a full blown comedian, mm-hmm. but um, you know, you have to keep the attention of the people. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the prophets of the Old Testament were, I'm sure, were very entertaining. Right. I mean, we see examples of that. Oh, yeah. Where Isaiah and Ezekiel, they're doing some outlandish things. Right. 
to to get uh, across a specific biblical truth. Yeah. And I'm sure the people in those days paid attention because they were very exciting. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that's important. And the um, trick is you have to get excited. Right. You know, because sometimes we, you know, you're preaching a topical sermon and you're just excited about that sermon. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you're, you know, I'm preaching through the book of Job right now. Yeah. And on Wednesday nights. And part of, part of the sermon preparation is just I have to tell myself, okay, God gave us this chapter for a reason. Something God wants us to see in it or learn from it or, you know, learn from the mistakes they're making <laughs> or whatever. And then you have to get excited. You right. Know? Jack Howes and his uh, teaching on preaching talks about about the fact that you you have to figure out what is it that our people need to hear from this, and you have to be, you know, they know if you're not excited about what you're talking right. about, if you don't believe what you're talking about, right? So all of that, and and of course we want to be funny and entertaining and all that, but even just being convinced that it was worth you, you went to work all day, you came home, you took a shower, you had a quick dinner, you loaded up the kids, you drove out here on a Thursday night and, you know, LA traffic or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was worth it because yeah. what what we're talking about from the Bible is something you need. It's important. Exactly. Yeah. So let me, let me fix that, this real quick. Yeah, I no think problem. this needs to be right okay. there. Sorry about that. No, it's all right. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think that's that's an important element of preaching is getting, like you said, getting exci- excited about it, right? And being convinced that that that's this is the most important truth right now, right? <clears throat> you know, today it's the most important truth for you to get. And um, I think when a pastor gets excited about a sermon, um, people are naturally affected by that in the church. Amen. You know, they just they they receive that. And so there's a, there's a preacher who, there's a story, I, th- I told this story in one of my sermons a while back, but it was a story about a pastor um, and an actor. And this is like in England many, many years ago. And the the pastor, he, he was complaining because no one would come listen to him preach. Hmm. And he's like, man, I'm preaching God's word. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm preaching doctrine, and no one's coming to hear me preach. But yet this guy, he's just acting on a stage, and everyone's coming to hear him. Why? You know. Mm-hmm. And so he actually went to that actor or you know the guy who's on stage, and he said, why is it that uh, I'm preaching these eternal truths, and no one's coming to listen to me, and yet you're preaching fiction? I mean, you're basically acting something, and everyone comes to listen to you. And he said because of the fact that he said, uh, you're preaching truth as though it is fiction, mm-hmm. and I'm preaching fiction as though it is truth. Yeah. And basically what he's saying is like you're missing the element of passion, right. basically. Right. And so, you know, I definitely think that's important. And I think independent fundamental Baptists are known for having passion when they mm-hmm. preach, too. Right. That's what got my attention <clears throat> when, I, when I first came to church. There was an exciting preacher. My father-in-law was an exciting preacher. You know, I would I I distinctly remember sitting in, in you know on the front row, listening to him preach, and I'm like, man, this guy's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like he's 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 mad or he's excited, and it 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 um, resonated with me. Right. So. I I think people don't realize that when you watch a pastor like Pastor Mejia or like Pastor Anderson, and they're just doing their thing and they're awesome. The 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 mistake young men make is they think, oh, that's that's natural. And to an extent, there is the aptitude to teach, and, and there is the natural, but there's also the preparation. Right. And I mean, even little things like I try to think through, if I'm going to tell a story in the sermon, I don't just write, tell the story, and then I get up there and tell the story. I actually think through how am I going to tell, because there's an art to telling a story. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's an art to telling a Bible story. Right. You know, and preaching through a Bible story. You could just, you know, read the verse, you know, I call it commentary preaching 
where it's like you read the verse and then make a few comments, read the next verse, mm-hmm. make a few comments. And, and there's a time and a place for that. And sometimes you, you don't have a choice. You know, yeah. I preached the book of Ezekiel and it was like, that's all you're getting, folks. <laughs> you know, it's, that's all there is. But, um, but, but especially when you're preaching through a narrative, yeah. you know, in my opinion, my style, I like to get into that story, tell yeah. that story yeah. and uh, develop the what God is telling us, but the emotions, the things going on. There's there's definitely a, a, an an art to delivery that, yeah. that helps. Amen. So that's the lesson we can get from the actor, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's good stuff. The verse that I think of is um, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And I found just because I'm, I would say I'm fairly like I'm. I've been saved about four years, but when I watch my favorite pastors preach. Is because I can tell what they're preaching. They have so much faith in what they're preaching mm-hmm. because they truly believe the things that they believe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how they also find these little nuggets of, of, of gold that nobody else has seen yeah. mm-hmm. because they read it. And I might read over that and skip it and never think about it twice, but they found a, like such a nugget in there. But it's according to their faith mm-hmm. that uh, how much they, they took from that. Yeah, you know? it's like they give themselves to that. Yeah, they just believe what it says, but then they, they realize, hey, there's more to this. There's a reason why that this is here or this sentence is here. Right. And mm-hmm. that kind of helps them uh, to trailblaze and find why is it here. Right. Yeah. And then they come up with these n- not new truths, old truths. Just nuggets but a of different the truth. Layers. Yeah, mm-hmm. different layers. Layers. Yeah. Right. Amen. So right. I find you know people who have more faith, I, I like to hear them preach. Yeah. It just shows. Yeah. Amen. So, um, speaking of pastoring and and preaching, but more specifically pastoring, you know, I want to talk to you about uh, pastoring in California Mm -hmm. because you know California catches a bad rap. I don't know why. Yeah, it's like the best place in the world. (laughs) They say it's a land of fruits and nuts. That's why. Uh (laughs) Yeah, they yeah they did they did say that. I don't know if they still say that, but they used to say that back in the day. We're taking it back. Yeah, Yeah, we are taking it back. And the thing is, like, in my opinion, I love California. Man. I don't too. ever plan on leaving California. Amen. And I, I'm I'm planning to just do ministry here to the second coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, but it does, you know, California does catch a bad rap from other people. Right. You know, they, they think it's just like the worst place ever to ever be in. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, oh, it's such a liberal state and all these things. Right. But I don't see it that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I grew up here. You know, I learned how to serve the Lord here, mm-hmm. and I think California, first and foremost, it's where God has us, but right. California is very receptive towards the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of receptive people, and in my opinion, I'm, you've traveled many places in the United States. Mm-hmm. California is actually pretty normal in comparison to what people think it really yeah. is. I mean, right. what do you think about that? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think people don't realize that. When they think of California, they think of San Francisco and they think of Hollywood. Hollywood, right. And, and <laughs> that's just not the case. Yeah. And, of course, California has a liberal government, all that stuff. You yeah. know, everywhere I go, people are constantly telling me, you know, California is terrible. And I would move to Verity if it wasn't in California. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> and, and I just bite my tongue and smile and say, well, God bless you. <laughs> Hope you like step fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, and everybody's always bashing California. What's Shout up, out man? to Pastor Shelley. <laughs> we love you, Pastor Shelley. <laughs> but, um. You know, it's it's this thing where it's just, it has this reputation. Yeah. You know, and I get I get it, but to me, this is this is the front lines. Yeah. This yeah. is where the battle's at. Right. You know, and you know, sometimes people, and of course, not just California. We know that you know, Washington and, and Arizona and, yeah. and, and and the battles in different places, but 
I mean, we get we we get persecution here that you just aren't going to get somewhere else. Yeah, you yeah, get bombed. bomb churches and stuff <laughs> over bomb here. You know, we, we had a protest back in 2016 where the news was reporting there was 1,500 sodomites outside yeah. of our, our church building, you know. And, and, and what's interesting to me is sometimes, you know, because Red Hot Preaching Conference, things like that, guys walk up to me and they're like, you know, I want to do what you're doing. I want to do what Pastor Harrison's doing. I want to do what Pastor Mejia's doing. You know, and I want to fight the sodomites. And I want to, you know, and I'm like, great, praise the Lord. You know, we need more preachers. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to start a church in Alabama. <laughs> And it's like, well, here's the thing. Your church is probably not going to get bombed in Alabama. <laughs> and you're probably not going to fight this big battle, you know, in yeah. whatever, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying those places don't need churches, but this <laughs> is the where the battle's at. It's like the hottest part of the battle. It's the hottest part of the battle. And here's, here's my thoughts. If I'm going to go to war, you know, if, if, I was, if I was living during World War II and they were going to draft me into war, you know, if I'm going to war, I I, I want to be on the beaches of Normandy on yeah. Right? yeah, amen. I want to come home and say, or either I don't come home, or I want to come home and say, hey, I fought in D-Day. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I could be a logistics officer in England, <laughs> right, during World World, world War II, right, yeah. while, while, they're, while they're bombing. That's the a great way to put it. But I'd rather be in the front lines. Yeah. And California is the front line. So, yeah. you know, if there's any guys out there that want to fight Amen. for the Lord, hey, we could use your help in California. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, it's frustrating, too, because I get upset with the with the conservatives, you know, as you can tell by my sermons. <laughs> but, you know, even politically speaking, yeah, because I feel like they've just retreated, you know, and to me, it's this it, it's this cowardice. Yeah. Who decided that? And I'm not even talking about spiritually more. I'm just talking about politically speaking. Who decided, let's give the Democrats the most awesome places, you know, yeah. in the United States. Let's let them have California. Let them have Miami. Let them have Hawaii. And all the conservatives can get North Dakota and Oklahoma. Yeah. What's up with that? All the, all the, you know, because all, all, all these guys are constantly telling us, I'm sure you hear it, you know, we're leaving California to, to go to Idaho. And I'm not against Idaho. Go to Shield of Faith, Boise. Praise Amen. the Lord. But, you know, this idea, like, let's all retreat to where the snow is. It's like, well, who decided to give the liberals the most awesome Yeah, why don't you give them that? Yeah. And we keep the cool places let's like San California. Diego. Yeah, yeah, keep yeah. the nice places. And make them move to the middle yeah. of nowhere. So I think it's worth fighting. Yeah, amen. My goal is to start, and I'm, I know you have the, the same passion, you know, to start as many churches in California as possible. I right. mean, I, I can, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm 35 years old. We've, I've been pastoring for 10 years. The Lord has allowed us to start five churches in those 10 years by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Not all of them have been California because, you know, different places have opened up and opportunities. They've all been on the West Coast, uh, on the West Side. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just think I've been at this for 10 years. We started five churches. And this is kind of exponential, too. If I could pastor for 30 years, 40 years, you know, if our church, if Very Baptist Church could start 25, 35 churches in my lifetime in California. Yeah while you're starting churches, while those churches are starting. I mean, we mm-hmm. started uh, Sure Foundation Baptist Church in Vancouver, Washington, and that church has started yeah. like five yeah. other churches. Yeah. I'm not it's even counting those. Yeah. You know? Imagine <laughs> if there was 20 new IFB churches in up and down the state of California. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have to make a difference. Oh, yeah. You know, it would have to. Well, you know, my, my father-in-law had a vision to start 65 churches in California. Wow. And he, he had a big burden for California. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted to start churches all across the five mm-hmm. and just different c- cities, Modesto and, and, you know, he wanted to do in Fresno, Bakersfield mm-hmm. and he just had a big burden for California. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, a lot of people during that time were, were going to different states, but he saw purpose and value in planting churches in California. Now, obviously, he wasn't able to do it. He ended up getting sick. Mm-hmm. But he transferred that, that desire to me because right. I desire the same thing. Like, for me, obviously, I know that Southern California needs the gospel, but I know there's many other, even small little cities that can use a, a Bible-believing church. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing. Instead of retreating to the woods, right. why don't you just stick around yeah. and, and fight the battle, be a part of a church, and you just never know. Maybe we can turn the tide around politically. I mean, I don't really care about politics, yeah. but, you know, it can become conservative and people would argue is like, well, it's never going to become conservative, mm. but, but here's the thing. The only reason anything's conservative is because it started with, with the foundation of a, a biblical foundation. Right. You think of like the Bible belt, for yeah. example, yeah. you know, that, why are they called the red States in those areas? It's because originally that's where a lot of churches were right. founded. Right. You know? And so, you know, let's start a Bible suspender yeah. <laughs> in California. Well, and here's you know? the thing you'll, in my opinion, you'll never turn California conservative. Right. But if you try to turn a place conservative, you can turn it conservative, and and that doesn't equate to Christianity or spirituality. Right. But if we could turn people to Christ, right? If they could grow in the Lord, because here's the thing: you can walk up to Californians and try to convince them about conservatism, and they may or may not, you know, based on their brainwashing. But when you get them saved, yeah, and the Holy Spirit of God moves in. And of course, and we're, and we're talking about the fact that, you know, just because they get saved doesn't mean their lives going to change. But if you can get them plugged into a church, if you can help them grow and learn and understand. I mean, this is what we do. We change people's minds, you know, with the word of God. Yeah. You know, you could turn California into a Christian. Right. You know, and what I mean by that is where there's many. Where there's a lot here. of Christians. Yeah. Right. And then mm-hmm. that'll actually turn it conservative. Well, exactly. You know? That's what I mean. Like, for example, you know, that that's what you had in the Bible Belt. Right. Where it, they were founded by independent fundamental Baptists or just Baptist period. Right. Uh, with Shubal Stearns, where he started about 5,000 churches. And it was a spiritual hub at that point. Right. But then obviously, you know, politics started creeping in and it became more of a conservative movement, right. political conservative movement rather than a spiritual movement. But, you know, obviously they benefited from it to a certain extent. And I think the same can happen here. And that, for me, it's like, who cares if it com- becomes a red state or not, yeah, California? Right. The most important thing is like it becomes a light. Right. right. You know, and, and and to win people to the biblical view, to win them to Christ and to the biblical view holds more substance and is more effective than winning them to a red view, mm-hmm. right? To a Republican view. Absolutely. You know? And so, you know, I'm, I'm completely, when people say stuff about California, I take it offensively, man. Me too. I get mad. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, that's where I'm serving Forgive the them, Lord. Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know <laughs> what they do. We, yeah, <laughs> what they we, we hear this so much, you know, and yeah. of course we're not mad at these people. No, no, you no. Know? But I, I sometimes I, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not mad at them to their face. But <laughs> sometimes I, it's funny because I travel, you know, every, the Lord has allowed me to go a lot of places and everywhere I go, people are t- bashing California. Mm-hmm. Fine. Whatever. California. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have they but, been to California? Yeah. Right. No, and the funny thing is that mo- many of these people have never even been to California. Right. Yeah. You know, that was actually one of the reasons we started the Red Hot Preaching Car is just to give people a reason to come to California. Yeah. And they, you know, can see that it's not, you know, it's not all Hollywood. Right. But oftentimes, you know, what I hear in Boise, in 
Dallas and whatever is all these Californians are ruining our states, you know, all these people. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, well, there must be no good Californians because all the conservative Californians are leaving. Yeah. But then they go to these conservative places and all those people are saying, you guys are ruining our state. So it's like, you yeah, know, it's like almost, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Right. Maybe just stay here and fight the battle with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah amen. But there's so that. many people in California. I mean, there's people to reach. Yeah. There's, there's work to be done. You know? Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, Lord willing. We'll, I'm, I will be here until the second coming of Christ and we'll start many churches. And, you know, in my opinion, I mean, people, I'm sure when they heard about our church getting bombed, mm-hmm. our church building getting bombed, it probably discouraged them even more regarding mm-hmm. California. They're probably like, oh, I'm really not going then. Yeah. But you know what? That's okay, though, because the, the reality is, is that we're going to raise up a new generation mm-hmm. that grows up here, gets saved. They get their minds reformed by the Bible, and they'll be fortified even so much the more. Right. I mean, our children, growing up in our church, mm-hmm. get, seeing the persecution, seeing the Word of God being preached and thundered forth, you know, that's the generation. We, like you said, we shouldn't be cowards and run away. We, we want to teach the next generation that we need to stand right, and not let people just push you into a corner yeah. or something, you know? And I, and I heard you say this, and I know this was the truth. For us at Verity, and I know other friends that have had persecution, but persecution is like the best thing that could happen to your church. Yeah. yeah, you know, and in the Bible, you see that as people are, as the people of God are being persecuted, they thrive. Right, and that you know, so people say they, they see the things that happen to us, and and they might it might scare them. It's like we're glad we're going through it. Yeah. It's actually helped us. It's been a benefit to right. us. Right. It's like look uh, at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, exactly. And not you know, yeah. and I, I want to be careful how I say this because not not to sound carnal. But there is also a level of, I, I don't even know what to, what to call it, but there's a, a level you pass, you know, and, and first works, you guys have always been an amazing church, but you pass that, you know, I don't want to call it famous. It should probably be more like infamous, <laughs> but you pass this level where you, you know, Pastor Anderson's had it, you know, you guys have had it, we've had it already, and, and other churches have had it. You get a certain level of, persecution and it's more than just mean comments on youtube you know mm-hmm. it's and and you know when when your church is on the la times and cnn and you know all of that it does put you at a place of you know i don't know what the right we word call is it supping that. with the lord <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly right well, yeah because the concept of of um the fellowship of his suffering uh-huh you know just partaking of that fellowship. he's knocking at the door yeah, he's knocking at the door and we answer. Well, when I think I think of like the Bible talks about Solomon or Joshua, how the Bible says that the Lord magnified them, mm-hmm. you know, and not to make it about us, but there is this church yeah. has been magnified. You as a preacher have been magnified in a sense. And to those that hate us, you know, you become a byword. But to people that agree with what you're doing, they're saying like, wow, look at what Pastor May is doing. And I, you can only get that on D-Day. Mm. You're not going to get that being the logistics officer in England. And that's why when people say to me, like, oh, I want to be a new IFB preacher, but I don't want to go to California. It's like, okay. I mean, and I'm not saying there's something wrong. Obviously, these churches need to be started and whatever, especially people are from those areas. I'm not I'm not bashing that. Yeah. But I'm just saying that this is where the battles. at. Yeah, man. And, you know, well, you know, I mean, I'm thankful that you went through it before I did. (laughs) And I'm thankful that Pastor Anderson went through it before I did, because. I'm thankful that you're going through it and I'm not going through it. Yeah. <laughs> no, nice, because it's nice to watch like, you guys go through it. Because I mean, what old IP pastor would I be able to call right during a time like this, mm-hmm. and 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 share <laughs> ideas like what should I do? Because I called you, mm-hmm. 
And I said, look, I got these ideas. This is going on with our church regarding the protests and the bombing. Like, you know, what do you think about this? And and we're we're contemporaries in a sense of like you've been through that persecution. Mm-hmm. You know the feeling that comes with it. Yeah. You know um, the 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 hardness of the persecution, the fire. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can relate. Right. And and I think that's important. I, I'm just thankful that you suffered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thankful Amen. that you went through a hard time. Yeah. Well, and this is what people don't realize. We get into the ministry, right, to publish the Word of God, yeah. to promote the Word of God, to get as many people to hear the Word of God. Then things like this happen, and, you know, we want to milk that, yeah. you know, for lack of better words, Amen. as much as possible. We want to use as much of, you know— I mean, even even after the fact, I mean, we had our protest in 2016. I think it was 2019 that a journalist from the L.A. Times came to the Red Hot Preaching Conference, you know, as oh, a spy, I remember that. you know, and then did this whole L.A. Times, you know, article about our church and the Red Hot Preaching Conference and all those things. But it's like, praise the Lord. Yeah. Thanks for all the free publicity. Yeah. You know, you know what it would cost me to put a an ad <laughs> in the L.A. Times? Yeah. You know, about yeah. our church? It'd yeah. be like, we're talking about like... I I mean I don't even know twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and they gave it to us for free. Yeah, amen. so you know, let the word of God do that. Yeah, amen, amen to that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, well, you know, just for I wanted to make uh, get that segment in there, pastoring in California, mm. because I think it, it catches a bad rap, and it shouldn't, you know. And you know what? It catches a bad rap with the people who are just afraid, in my opinion. Right. You know, and people who are more pol- politically driven rather than biblically driven. Yeah. Because w- if you look at it from a biblical perspective. You know, who cares if it's a red or a blue state? Right. You know, where we want to be is Goshen, and Goshen is wherever you're serving yeah. the Lord. You know, wherever, you know, um, you're soul winning, you're, you're preaching God's word, you're at your local New Testament church. We shouldn't be Christians who are politically driven. Right. You know, I don't, I mean, obviously it sucks to have Biden in office mm-hmm. to a certain extent, but do we really care? Right. You know what well, I mean? And the interesting thing is this, that you guys have get Tons of people saved down here. We get people saved in Sacramento. And when we're knocking doors, you know what we're not asking? We're not asking, did you <laughs> vote for Biden? <laughs> yeah. You know? And yet we're seeing tons of people saved. Yeah, amen. You know? And this idea, and again, I'm not against, obviously, other people have to live in other states. I get that. Yeah. You know, we're the fortunate <laughs> ones that get to live here. Yeah. But, um, you know, but this idea that people have, like, oh, I'm going to leave California because everybody's a Democrat and I want to go live where everybody's a conservative, it's like, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. Because even being around a bunch of worldly conservatives, I don't fit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to be with, with God's people. And this is where God yeah. brought us. And, and of course, there's place, there's God's people, you know, good churches in other places. We understand that. But th- th- just this idea, I'm just opposed to this idea, like, I want to live in a town where everybody agrees with me. It's like, well, then you must be pretty worldly. Yeah. Because, you know. I mean, have you seen the conservatives of today? Right. <laughs> it's know? like they, they're, uh, most of them go to like apostate churches. They have a, they have weird beliefs. You know, I, I, I would, yeah. I would more readily fit in with the person I just went to the Lord who I can help mold their mind using the Bible right. to see it our way than, than some Christian conservative who is just more about politics than about the Bible, right. probably uses a different version of the Bible, probably believes you have to work your way to, to heaven. Right. You know what I mean? It's like we don't fit in with that crowd. Yeah. Now, obviously, they're, they're receptive towards the message. Right. And, and, and it's, they're far more receptive sometimes than, than, than liberals are. Yeah. But you're right. It's like, you don't, how can I fit in with that? Right. I don't. Right. You know? 
And so I really appreciate that sermon that God is not an American. Yeah. I think it's it's true. You know, you did piss off a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I saw that. I was like, probably. oh <laughs> man, he's about to take off a lot of people. Uh-huh. This is gonna be a good one. Yeah, praise the Lord. Did you say Jack Treber? <laughs> you call Jack Treber out. <laughs> I watched Jack, Jack Treber. I watched like 15 minutes of his preaching a week just to like fire me up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like to get you mad? mad. <laughs> yeah. Like Jack Treber. I know I'm angry, but I said not. So. <laughs> you don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Man. <laughs> That's good. That's funny. Yeah. Well, you know, um, throughout this whole coronavirus thing, you know, I feel like the Lord has seen us through Amen. as churches. And, um, you know, we weren't necessarily affected by it. Right. You know, we, we still kept doing, and we didn't, we didn't, you know, brag about anything or or anything, but you know, God, he held us through Mm -hmm. and even, even through the actual sickness. Right. Because this will let you know, we both believe that the coronavirus is real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we both got it. You got it. Okay. You went to the Red Hot Preaching Conference. You probably got it. (laughs) You got a Red Hot Fever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we came back with the red hot fevers when we came back with. I thought, you know, I, I felt bad that people got sick at the red hot breaking arms. I was talking to Pastor Anderson about it, and he he kind of you know helped me with that a little bit because he's like, well, you know, when people go to a conference in the midst of a pandemic, they should kind of expect that. Exhorter, yeah, 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 yeah. The causative. But by the way, Pastor Anderson, I believe, is an exhorter. Okay, that's what I believe he oh, is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I can totally see that. Man, he is such an exhorter, like. It, it, l- let me just throw this out there, okay? I love you, Pastor Anderson. <laughs> Is that tell me if I'm wrong, okay? But one of the, one of the characteristics of a, an exhorter is they get very excited about a particular thing, project, and then they get everyone else excited Absolutely. about it. And then what do they do? They walk away from that project, <laughs> leaving us with it, right? Which is why I'm doing season two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they already did season one. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? I guarantee he doesn't care, but he's just like, he's moved on to something else, you know? Yeah, he's working on another yeah. show. He's probably working on another show. He's like, he's somewhere skydiving right now with like a camera. <laughs> like preaching. He's skydiving, preaching the gospel. Yeah, Pastor Anderson is up. notorious for that. Uh, yeah. But I mean, he, he gets he gets us excited about it. Absolutely. Like when he sells you the vision, uh-huh. he sells it to you. Like oh, yeah. he can sell salt to a snail. Yeah. <laughs> he can sell ice to a Eskimo. You know, it's just like just get you excited about that particular topic, and then you you buy into it, and then he just like I'm bored of this, and he yeah. just walks away from it. When I when I uh, when my phone's ringing and I see Steven Anderson, you know, on my on my call thing, I. What are we doing now? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. What's the plan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's an exhorter. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, it's he, he aside from the fact that they they come they're they're able to cast vision. Mm-hmm. Um they're able to provide a lot. They see light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to any tribulation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure you've talked to Pastor Anderson oh, when yeah. you're going through a difficult time and he's just like gives you a lot of hope. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to come out like gold. Everything's going to be okay. And you come out like thinking like, actually, yeah, you're, I guess he's right about that, yeah. you know? So that's his strength. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's a hard preacher. People might mistake him for being a prophet, but I think he's just learned to be that way. But in my personal opinion, I think he's an exhorter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he sees the cause and effect and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm thankful for his influence. Obviously he's influenced your life, mm-hmm. he's influenced mine. And he's a Californian. Yeah. Yeah. So Exactly. Amen yeah. to that. Well, so are you going to San Diego anytime throughout this trip? Um, probably not this trip. Okay, because uh, I know I, you're a fan of San Diego. Yeah, I, know you I like love San Diego. Yeah. Yes. I think, I mean, I don't know. I haven't been to every city in the world, but I think San Diego is probably the most beautiful city in the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just a it's pretty, beautiful city. Yeah. 
And the San Diego Zoo is awesome. Yeah, it is. I mean, I would go. I, I would go to the San Diego Zoo over any theme park, over any you know whatever. Um, We're taking our homeschool field trip. Yeah, that's awesome. To the San Diego Zoo. Yeah, don't don't let my people hear that. Oh, sorry, I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut this part out. Yeah, but no, the San Diego Zoo is awesome. I'm constantly telling people go to San. Diego. But just even just driving through San Diego, I think it's just a beautiful city. Yeah, I, I love San Diego. Uh, this trip probably not gonna make it, but you know. Uh, I'm at some point. Yeah, you know, man. Uh, I, I like to go down there. It's a cool place. Well, that's great. Well, past three minutes, I think we'll we'll end it right there. If there's anything else you could you want to mention, you can. But um, you know, just want to encourage everyone. Obviously, I'm pretty sure you've subscribed to his channel. But if you have not subscribed to Verity Baptist Church, make sure you do so. And and he's got a lot of good content on that channel. Is constantly working on new content, constantly putting new stuff out. He, he's um, he's a well-oiled machine when it comes to biblical content. He's always putting things out. And so make sure you subscribe to that. And uh, he's going to be preaching for us tomorrow night. Man. So looking forward to, to having him. Um, I don't know. If maybe we shouldn't have him preach because the last time we had a guest preacher, we got our church blown up. <laughs> Pastor Burzins <laughs> preached night. on Thursday, and then they bombed our church the following. What are you preaching uh, on, by the yeah. way? <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Pastor Burzins preached on um, Fags and Speedos Go Home. Yeah. And then uh, was and it then the, they, that same night or the next night? It was on. So he preached that Thursday, and then on Saturday morning, oh. at one o'clock in the morning is when they bombed our church. Uh-huh. So uh, maybe maybe we won't have you. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Can what I, do you, you got a sermon? No. Yeah. What are you preaching on? <laughs> I'm preaching on troubled on every side. Mm-hmm. And, Amen. Uh, nice. So I, I want to talk about you know this. The Apostle Paul makes these statements, in my opinion, of of clarity and reality. Because, you know, we you, you hear a lot about shaming, you know, fat shaming and whatever. Um, but we get like persecution shaming, you know. Yeah. We go through these persecutions and then you get these Christians that look at us like we're doing mm, something wrong. Gaslighting. You know, <laughs> and like, well, you must be doing something wrong because none, this doesn't happen to anybody. Nobody else's church is getting bombed. Mm. But, you know, it's like, well, have you read the Bible? Yeah. Because <laughs> I think they crucified our Savior. Yeah. You know? and, and have you read the book of Acts? You know, but Paul, he makes these statements. Of reality, yes, we are troubled on every side, but we're not in distress. Mm, yeah. you know? Yes, it's true, we are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Yeah. You know, so there is truth that we go through these things. We're not going to hide that. Right. You know, but it doesn't finish us. Yeah. You know, and so anyway, that's what I'm preaching about. That's good. <clears throat> Looking forward to that. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. It. Amen. Well, folks, I think we're going to call it a night. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure that you, um, you could either, obviously you can watch the full episode on the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, put a comment in the section below. You can also listen to the podcast on Spotify. If you have a subscription to that, or if you tune into that, it's on our website. And so, uh, thank you, Pastor Jimenez for coming on the show. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Call it a night, folks. Have a good night. Dun 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 dun